in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Before you start, i got to tell you something. You'll laugh, uh, laugh at this. Danny Webster, our friend, was at the BYU-Arizona game. Okay. And he tweeted that three people before the, uh, well, they're singing the National Anthem, three tweet people uh, screamed out Knights. And of course. I tweeted back, I can't believe VGK Media is at that game. But anyway. So then when I tweeted that back, like within two minutes, someone someone tweeted, I thought you were off the grid. It's like, calm down. It's like, <laughs> At least people listen to the show. You're supposed to be off the grid. Yeah, like I completely. thought you're supposed to be off the grid. Like, okay, take completely. a breath. Throw your phone in the ocean. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and never check anything. Uh, All right. First topic on the front page. Ole Miss beat Louisville 43-24 last night. But more interestingly, or painstakingly, depending on how much enjoyment you were getting out of this game, four players were ejected for targeting in this game. The refs only called one of those on the field three different times. The game was stopped by the replay ref to say, hey, we think there's a targeting. You might need to look at this. Four different guys got ejected from this game for targeting. So does college football have any sort of problem with the way they impose their targeting rule, with the way they call their targeting rule, or is it fine as is? I think the problem is... The officials on the on the field and then some of the re- replays. One of them, I can't remember which of the four, the kid was falling to the ground and it was it was a situation where like uh, he came the kid came on top of him, and I couldn't even believe they looked at that for target. And then it was targeting, and so it was like the UNLV kid the other night, um, uh, who gets Noel, who gets you know who kind of comes from behind the guy and he hits him with more of the shoulder and he gets thrown out. I'm not saying targeting is a bad rule. You have to protect kids, especially people who leave their feet and kind of launch. But I've seen, I saw a lot last night in the UNLV kit. I'm like, man, if those things are targeting, it's, you can't really do much anymore. There's two things. Number one, to take Noel Williams from UNLV. If it's ever a defenseless player, and what football defines as defenseless player is a receiver trying to make a catch, you can't blow the guy up. Like that to me is an easy one. Noel Williams gets ejected for targeting, and I have no problem with that because He's not playing the ball. He's playing the man. He's going in saying, I'm going to break this pass up by break blowing the up, up the receiver, yeah. but not by playing the ball. The answer to that is to be there earlier. Be mm-hmm. at the ball earlier. And if you're not, you don't just get to blow the guy up. The rest of them, because a lot of these ones in the Ole Miss Louisville game, like two of them happen like in the box, like a running back's running. Right. And exactly. it's just that one of those I'm talking about, I'm like, man, that's targeting. Those are those are going to be tough because those are going to happen in a lot of games. And you'll you'll watch college football this weekend and you'll see those go uncalled over the entire that's of the, the, end, problem. Of the game. But my thing is, this has been in place for a few years now. The whole point of it is to teach guys how to tackle without lowering their helmets. Mm-hmm. That's the entire point of putting the targeting rule in is that you're going to have growing pains early, but eventually everyone will adjust. The coaches will adjust and teach these guys how to tackle. The kids will adjust and they will tackle without lowering their helmets. For whatever reason, we haven't seen that adjustment in college football, and that's on the coaches and the players. They have, You know well, the rule exists. Adjust to it. Well, and the other thing is... It, it, the targeting is of defenseless players, 
but you're almost you're risking and Jared play football. You're also the people making the tackler risking themselves because you're leading with your head. Right. Yeah. It's like you're the one. Who, I mean, there's a very good chance nobody wants anything like this to happen. There's a very good chance the guy who's making the tackle gets a lot more hurt than the kid who gets hit. Well, the best example is the Raiders. Damon Arnett got hurt twice yes. last year on his own tackles. Yeah. Because Damon Arnett. Didn't he? Do, he doesn't know how to tackle. That's a great example of a guy who every time he goes in for a hit, his face he's, he's lowering at the his ground. head. Yes, and that's that's been the issue. Is the rule gets put in place because they want to over time change the way the game is played. Mm-hmm. They want tackling to be different. They don't want guys lowering their helmets. They want to eliminate nothing wrong with that though. The helmet to helmet hits, but they, it hasn't happened for whatever reason in college football. That change has not happened. Coach either. Coaches well, then that's are not, on the coaches, right? Coaches are not teaching it or. Or players can't players understand. Players are not it. receiving it, or whatever. Right. Maybe we haven't gotten far enough because all these kids playing college football now we're still tackling that way in high school, and they can't. Right. I, I don't know, but it right. hasn't. It hasn't changed the way people tackle yet, which is the entire point of the rule. So I personally, I've got no problem with it. I the way it is, the only thing I would say, we are pretty harsh on the ejections in college football because. You get called for targeting. Isn't that the letter of the law, though? You're, you're out. Immediately you're, out. Ejected. you're immediately ejected. Does not matter the scenario. If they right. call targeting, you're ejected. Maybe a, hey, if you get called for two, you're well, ejected. But, but what if you're called for it, and then they go the replay, they're like, oh, we missed that. That wasn't targeting. Shouldn't. That's what I'm saying. Letter of the law, like, no Williams. Well, that, that he was out no matter what. No, no. If they, co- if they go back and reverse it, you stay in the game. Okay. If you reverse it. Yes. I'm just saying, like, immediately, like, he was going to be out. Yes. Which yeah. and they reviewed it and they said okay. yes, this is by the rule. This is targeting. He's ejected. I think the change should be you don't get ejected on your first targeting. The change should be maybe your second targeting ejected. But it it's just harsh to see kids ejected from college football games. And last night, four, four of, of them. them were. When it's I mean, again, I don't have any problem with the rule. You have to change the way you tackle, but ejecting them plus the fifteen yard penalty seems like double Excessive. jeopardy. So. My senior year of high school, which probably I believe was in 2009. I'd actually have to do math in my head to figure that out. But we had a guy, because they had changed all the rules, we had a guy come in and teach us how to rugby tackle. And it was genuinely like, this is not how any of us have ever tackled before. Like, you're, like, grabbing their legs and trying to sweep them. It's a very weird situation. So I don't get the whole, like, like that was a decade ago that I was yeah. in high school and we were they had just changed the rule. How is it that these guys haven't learned how to like well tackle it, differently? It could be what Tyler said also where I'm not gonna say that the coaches aren't teaching it properly, but if a kid's been doing that his whole life instinctively, because it's a very instinctive game, right? right? They're going hundred miles an hour. So you said you have to make a decision in a split second. And if they've done it their whole lives, maybe they just can't grasp another way to tackle. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Look at Damon Arnett, he's in the NFL, he still does it. Right. I think that's a lot of what it is, is even if you're telling, even if Damon Arnett's been taught, hey, don't tackle Drills and all of that. It becomes, uh uh-oh, here comes a running back. Yeah, I got to get him to the ground. Yes, and it immediately goes down. I got to launch myself like a missile. (laughs) I'm out. Bishop Sycamore. Oh, God. As a new head coach. Uh, But he says Bishop Sycamore is not a school. Uh, Tyron Jackson is the new coach. His quote to USA Today was, we are not a school. That's not what Bishop Sycamore is. And I think that's what the biggest misconception about us was. That was our fault because that was a mistake on paperwork. Okay. 
What? <laughs> Two things. One, this guy should be the Pope because he's the only one they're actually admitting that they're not a school. So forget the bishop and the cardinal. Put this guy as the Pope right away. Second of all, can we please, please, please somehow get a copy of the paper that says circle yes or no, are you a school? <laughs> and some guy circles no. It's like, okay. Like, uh, what does he mean the paper? At what time do you have paperwork that says, are you a school? Like, Today. No, I mean, like, what? That's what a do you misconception. Mean? Yes, exactly. What is he talking about? Like, it's we not in the paper. We play other high school. What, what was this paperwork? What did it say? I, 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 that was great. I love the idea that he says the biggest misconception <laughs> about that us. We're a school. I'm like, no, no, no. Everyone understands that you are not a school. We all got that. You very live out quickly. of a PO box. Yes. We know you're not a school. We know that. You guys thought you were a school. That was Nobody awesome. else did. You got this backwards. Hey, I love Tyron Jackson. They he at least coach. admits it. He has no problems. Like, we're not a school. We just, I just coach on a football team. Are they playing any games? Uh, did they play this weekend? No, but I heard two teams. Don't know who they are. I have no clue. Red or heard some of the two teams have not canceled. Everyone else is canceled. Oh, come on, Liberty. Come on, Brady. Nah, Nevada. No. They have enough to Get worry about this week. Get them back on the schedule. Apparently, Nevada's high school uh, athletic association is just like, hey, they checked the box and said yeah. we're not a school. Exactly. <laughs> the NIAA is like, we cannot play anyone who checked no. That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. <laughs> Tyrod Taylor will start for the Texans, which means it's official. Deshaun Watson is not going to be the starter, but... The Texans' plan, have him on the roster and not play him. They still would like to trade him. Very hard to trade a guy with 20-plus sexual assault allegations against him. Um, Tyrod Taylor, uh, this is a weird situation. Obviously, you have to have him on the 53 because the practice squad, someone could sign him off it. I don't know if anyone would, but, I mean, you're you're obviously putting him out there to where you get nothing for him. Uh, I just... I don't want anyone to get hurt, but it would be fascinating if Tyrod Taylor went down and Deshaun Watson, who really hasn't done anything except maybe some drills in camp, was all of a sudden back at the as the quarterback. And here's the thing. I don't know the roster of the Texans well enough. Did they carry three? Uh, their second quarterback right now is Davis Mills. Okay, so if Tyrod goes down, good in camp. Tyrod goes down, the coach, who we're pretty sure has no idea what he's doing, is looking to the sideline and saying, Davis, warm up. And you have a top five quarterback in the NFL, and he's sitting there like, Coach, can I warm up? No, no, you're number three. What a crazy situation that's going on at that place. What do you think? The Las Vegas Aces lost to the Chicago Sky 92-84 to on Sunday. Now, if we look at the big picture for the Aces, there are four games left in the season. They lead both Minnesota and Seattle by a game and a half for the two seed. The one and two seeds go straight to the semis. So the difference between the two and the three seed is massive. And the Aces host Minnesota on Wednesday. So a win would put them up two and a half with three games left in the season. Not clinch, but basically clinch uh, over Minnesota. A loss, though, would pull Minnesota within half a game with three to play. The big game. It is. What's happened to Seattle, by the way? I haven't really kept close attention. 
Yeah, I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're fine. Connecticut on top. Solid. UConn yeah. on top. Ariana's on top. Connecticut hasn't lost in like a month. Wow, Gino on top again. Doesn't really even matter what team it is. It's it's the women's basketball and it's Connecticut. They're on top. They haven't lost in a month. <laughs> Hell, the Aces can't beat Connecticut either. No, they struggle I against Gino. Are they 0-3 against Connecticut Yeah, they struggle against Gino. They're brutal. Well, that so. Paige girl in Connecticut's really good. Wrong team, but <laughs> well, should be the. I mean, it was pretty much the right team. Should be the number one pick whenever she comes out. So, next question. Randy Edzal has stepped down as UConn's head coach. UConn lost to Holy Cross, an FCS team. Edzal came out and said afterwards that he was going to retire at the end of the season, and then the very next day said, "Nope, I'm stepping down now." Uh, you know, a loss like well, this makes me think I need to spend more time with my kids. Yes. That's one of those things where the AD has his weekly dinner and say, Randy, end of the year is now. You need to leave. <laughs> they are 6-32 and 32 since he came. This is, this is his second stint. They were pretty good under him the first time. They went time. to bowls under yeah. him the first time. 6-32 and 32 since he came back, and now he is leaving. Well, like, what happens the two games into the season, you're like, you know what? Let's just call it quits now. Like, how committed was he to start the season yeah. if that's what we're doing? Hey, two we- weeks in? Not well, getting the, he's not getting the Derek Jeter treatment of like, all right, it's the final season. <laughs> not getting a bunch of gifts as he yeah, goes. Yeah, they're, not, like, they're not like rolling out the rocking tour. chairs and like gift cards and the cars and stuff like yeah. that. Hey, uh, so you're going to retire and you're going to get your ass kicked <laughs> for about a season. By before. Holy Cross. Yeah. All right, coming up next, we'll jump back into college football. Is Clemson any good? I'm, I'm in favor of uh, execution. Maybe maybe our entire team needs to be executed after tonight. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. So you don't believe that Brian Kelly was referencing the John McKay no. quote when somebody asked John McKay like in the 70s, No. what do you think of your team's execution? No. And John McKay responded, I'm in favor of it. No, no chance. Is immediately after an emotional, high-strung game where they win with a game-winning field goal, back and forth all night, blew a lead. He's a nut job to begin with. He's completely high-stressed, out of his mind to start with. So I absolutely, I think he got in his mind the word execution, and then it went right to the next thought. It did. I, there's no chance I believe he was thinking during the game that kind of game where he barely wins in overtime. That he's thinking, if I if we win this, I can I got, say this. No chance. I gotta get some shtick yeah. together. Yeah. For, no like, chance. I gotta get my yeah. jokes ready. I mean, just in case we win. Right. He didn't think they executed well enough, so he said, "I believe in execution." And right then, the next thought into his head is, "Let's kill everybody." <laughs> I, I just it's, there's no way he said uh, in his mind. Now that time John McKay said that, that'd be a pretty good thing to say. Zero chance at that. I, I'm a real connoisseur of post game. Uh, press conferences from the 70s. I mean, this guy, yeah, okay, I I watched the game. You know, the kid comes in, and what an incredibly uh, emotional story about the kid with the leg injury who came in Florida State. I mean, unbelievable that kid's playing football, so good for him. But they come back. Notre Dame doesn't play really that well defensively in the second half, so I could see him being mad, and he's, like I said, he's off the rails anyway. But my God, if you listen to that, they lost forty-two to nothing. Right, you, you know you right. won the game, right? Like my, I mean, everything that came out of his mouth is, you know, I liked our grip, but I liked it, but it's like my dude. I mean, you won the game. I mean, 
off the charts with that guy. Can I also point out that Brian Kelly should not make any sort of like errant death jokes based on his personal history <laughs> yeah. with keeping students safe? Yeah, I didn't even think of that. That's a yeah. great point. Here is the uh, Brian Kelly explanation, his clarification. Yeah. It's an old John McKay quote. I was kidding. It was tongue in cheek. It wasn't funny. I was talking and making a joke about it. It was taken serious. Are you people crazy? And then he said, it's a John McKay quote he used after a game. I was stealing one of his old quotes and being funny because nobody likes to be funny anymore. If you want to take me to town on that, please do. It's it's a you guys problem that you don't think I'm funny. I'll take you to town on it because, one, there's no way a Notre Dame coach is quoting an SC guy. That's a bad move. (laughs) Two, um, here's the thing. It could absolutely have been, in his mind, tongue-in-cheek. He doesn't want to kill his team. But I refuse to believe it was because he remembered what right. John McKay said. He could have joked, right, oh, let's execute him all because they played poorly. But then afterwards, someone said, well, you know how you can cover that up? John McKay once said this. He's like, hey, that's a good one. I'll go with that one. So I think it was tongue-in-cheek, and I have absolutely no belief that he knew John McKay said that. Here's what I'm curious, and I hope somebody who covers Notre Dame has done this. How many... Post-game interviews, the ones right after the game with TV. How many post-game interviews has Brian Kelly ever made a joke in? Ever. Never. Because I'm, I'm sure he's talked about execution before, <laughs> like we didn't execute. Not like executing a scene, but I, I could see we didn't execute from him. But Brian Kelly wants us to believe that he was making a yeah. joke in this post-game interview. Yeah. And I, again, I would like somebody to do this yes. that covers Notre Dame. I would be willing to bet less Never. than once. If at all. He has made a joke in that post game interview after a club, maybe after they beat some FCS school sixty two to three. I don't know because I think he'd be they think it's disrespectful. Yeah, that's true. But I think you'd think right. it's disrespectful. But like the fact that he's like, I was joking. No, it's like no. you were. You've never made a joke before. That's, You've no. never that's made it before. The other thing, yeah. your entire personality for twenty years has been red ass. Jerk, right now, suddenly, you're like, nobody likes, yeah. d- nobody wants me to joke. Are you people anymore. crazy? It's like you, you're up like 40 nothing on the field, and suddenly you look like you're mad at people. You're doing crowd I mean, work. That's fine because that's who he is. If that's your personality, okay, you're, uh, you know, a crazy football coach who is never satisfied. But please don't come back. I would have rather him say, look, it was tongue in cheek. I was just joking. Obviously, I don't want that to happen. We still might not believe he ever tells jokes. But to take it to the next level of I was quoting John McCain, no one believes that. Nobody. I actually don't have much of an issue with him saying. Well, it's, again, because you know it's tongue in right. cheek, because you know it's he's, it's not serious. What I think is worse is his him trying to clarify it by being like, it's a joke. Why are yeah. you guys taking me so serious? What's Why? wrong with you guys? You right? your mind? I think I have more of a problem with that than him saying uh, should, we should execute yeah. our entire team. <laughs> they did. I don't think she did, but the quarterback, the kid transferred from Wisconsin who played well, uh, he, first thing she says is, well, Coach Kelly says there's some things to clean up. That's probably thinking, I threw for four touchdowns. You know, he's probably thinking, what? Did he, did he say that? But I don't think she told him the line. I didn't watch the whole interview that he also believes you should be dead. Like, I don't think she told him that. <laughs> okay. I have one complaint about college football. I cannot figure out why so many college football coaches play for field goals. I cannot get this. I cannot grasp this. We see every single week college kickers blow it and blow it on like 30-yard field goals. This isn't like, oh, they're trying them from 52. 
They blow it on 30-yard field goals. We saw it with UNLV on Thursday. Eastern oh, Washington. Oh, oh, we saw it. Had a chance yeah. to win the game. Yeah. Ed missed deadline. Yes. Or almost missed deadline. Well, and they set the guy it. completely up. Let's go to the middle of the field, run the middle of the field, and just fall down. It's like they couldn't have set the guy up even more. He was straight on, like and he missed it. 32-yarder. Oh, with brutal. I was watching the end of Louisiana Tech and Mississippi State, and Louisiana Tech has the ball inside Mississippi State territory in the final 40 seconds. And they just ran the clock out. They just ran it out until three seconds. And guess what? The field goal wasn't any good. They what were like, shock. Yeah, we got a 40-plus yarder. Yeah. In the NFL, I can understand, okay, you're playing for a field goal because the kickers are the 30-something yeah, best, best kickers in the world, in the yeah. world at this, right? You got Justin Tucker or yeah. something. The guy's missed one field goal inside of 50 in the last decade. Right. I got it. In college football, oh. these kids suck. Kickers are notoriously unreliable in college football, but coaches keep deciding, you know what? We're going to play for that 41-yard field goal. UNLV kid's pretty good. Daniel Gutierrez, I might trust him. If Marcus Arroyo's like, we're playing for the field goal, I'd be like, all right, your quarterbacks aren't any good. You're right. Trust the kicker. But everybody else, absolutely not. Go try to score. Like, if you actually, like, look at where some of the best kickers in the NFL played, like half of them played FCS yes. or like yes. random like yes. like Temple. Yeah. Like they just yeah. it's just like one of these weird schools and it's like so no one no one at the best levels of college football knows how to recruit then, a kicker. The, yeah, exactly. Then they go on. Is it weird that when finally reading the rundown here, I <laughs> I didn't I didn't pick up Louisiana Tech and I thought, why is Tyler mad at LA Tech College? Like, I thought it was like a Juco or something. I'm like, did LA Tech... They, they fu- don't exist. He was like a Juco. I'm like, did they settle for a 40 or and, and then when you said Louisiana Tech, I'm like, oh, you. All right, you're talking about those guys. I was like, who's that? Here's what I think it is. I think as a college football coach, and as we see in, in all sports across the world, coaches... Do, take the safe option. Well, they're they, afraid for their jobs. They take, hey, I'm not yeah. going to be blamed if yeah. my kicker misses this field goal, right? We're, right. Uh, hey, we Louisiana Tech, we had a chance to win it. It was a 40-yard field goal yeah. down by one. What do you want me to do? We, we could have won the game on that. It's the kicker's fault. But in reality, we should be blaming the coaches because everyone else knows the kicker's not going to make the damn field goal. You're, it's like, hey, there's like a 40% chance he makes it. We should blame the coaches every time. Like if if you get the ball and there's like six seconds left, right? That's one thing. But Louisiana well, look, yeah, Tech, if, you get, if you have no other choice, then kick the ball. Louisiana Tech ran the clock down. So did Eastern Washington. They could have tried yes. to score a touchdown, but they ran it down and was like, or they were, try to get closer. Right, they were fine with forty yards. We, we got to blame the coaches. We absolutely have to crush coaches when they decide I'm just going to settle for the field goal to win the game, and the kicker misses it. What's your bigger biggest pet peeve? Settling for the field goal or they need to it's fourth and ten and they call a play not just short of the yard like of the of the first down, but like at the line of scrimmage and are like, gotta get ten yards. That's what Arroyo did on the two point conversion. They well, threw it like to I was a receiver say, like, short of the goal line when they had to get in. I mean, halfback draw. Sometimes there's coaches who are afraid for getting ripped for, you know, I don't know, going forward on fourth and inches against an FCS team and you punt it away. I don't know. Sometimes that happens. Punt it back, give it away. All right, coming up next, Charles McDonald joins the show. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. 
the out of position is the guy that's on the ball, off the ball, buzzing to the flat, setting edge, making plays in the open field, communicating, helping the mic out, setting the front. He's just a guy that's just a, that just does everything. Blitzes come off the edge, and so he's a guy that, that does a lot, a lot of dirty work, a lot of open field tackles, and so you got to be a baller out there. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Joining us now is Charles McDonald. Follow him on Twitter at for Verts. Check out his work at for the win. Uh, Charles, I got to start with uh, something you tweeted about last night's Ole Miss Louisville game, because I love when people are self-aware of their bad takes, but uh, <laughs> Ole Miss scored a touchdown on a fake quarterback draw pop pass looking thing. <laughs> and you tweeted out boomer take, but this is bad. You know, it's a bad take, but why do you think that play is bad? Because, if, well, okay, well, first of all, I would like to say that the referees, which I normally hate to align myself with in any given circumstance, they actually said that I was right on the play because uh, the part that I objected to was that the offensive linemen were like three yards down the field blocking. So, like, it was like the play was set up where it looks like uh, a pass fake, which turns into like a fake quarterback draw, and then as the quarterback's running up the field, Right before he hits the line of scrimmage, oh, there's a running back on like a little pop pass, like six yards down the field, wide open. Which that's like that's not football, man. Like this is some fever <laughs> dream that some like nine year old came up with that he was messing around with, like back to create a play on Madden 04 or whatever. That's not football. That's not what it's supposed to look like. And we're making it too hard for defenders. Like theoretically, yeah, it looks cool. And I guess I'll be in favor of it if you could run the play without looking like two different running plays and two different passing plays at a time. But, you know, we're, we're, we're making it a little bit too hard for the defense. And I think that Lane Kiffin needs to answer and talk to us about what the hell that play was. <laughs> like, Is, are we watching football with the type of targeting calls we've seen? Uh, well, can you say that question again? Are we watching football with the type of targeting we're now seeing? Uh, you know, I thought the ones that were in the uh, – Ole Miss game the yesterday, like that was okay because when a quarterback's sliding, you don't like that's just not something you want to see. Like he's giving himself up. There's no reason to just pile drive him further into the ground because as soon as he starts to slide, like the play's dead wherever he started to slide. So you don't need to crush him. Even though like I normally am fine with quarterbacks getting crushed because they deserve you know to play the same game as everybody else every once in a while. Uh, but just in general, I think the targeting rules are okay. It just kind of depends on like which ref is calling with because there there are obviously like some egregious ones where you just don't know how someone can stop themselves just based on momentum and what we know about how fast these guys are moving on the field. Sometimes they're not there, but when they get them right, I generally think it's a good thing for the game, but uh, some of these refs absolutely stink at calling them and it's not good for anybody involved. All right, we'll give you a minute on this topic since you'll enjoy it. Uh, is Georgia a legitimate title contender? I mean, I want to say yes, but I think the real answer is in a year or in a college football landscape where Alabama doesn't exist, I think that's a more realistic answer, yes, because, I mean, what Alabama did to Miami, I expected them to win, uh, like, pretty handily, but when you go back and you read the stats, you read, like, the game recap, they were up 27 to nothing before Miami crossed midfield and this Alabama team it, it wasn't like oh you know they have a 
bunch of returning seniors, and we're expecting this to be the most mature, experienced Nick Saban team we've seen in years. No, like, their quarterback is a redshirt freshman. He threw for 340 yards and four touchdowns, broke records for, like, the – the, like what Bama start quarterbacks do in their first start. They got guys that we've never heard of that look like freaking cyborgs all over the field. Uh, that that team is just absolutely loaded, and uh, it, they're, they just kind of seem to be operating at a completely different plane than everybody else. I mean, I think that Georgia's defense is definitely championship-worthy, uh, but that's not really anything new for what Kirby Smart has put together uh, during his reign as the, the Bulldogs head coach. The the defense is always really good, and the offense is like a couple steps behind. Like, I, but I will say, it's, it's got to be tough going out there if you're Georgia without, you know, Georgia Pickens, who's a projected first-round receiver uh, next year, and your top two tight ends, Darnell Washington, who's a five-star recruit, Ark Gilbert, who's a five-star recruit. Uh, all those guys were hurt, and then you know another receiver, Kiaris Jackson. They only have him returning punts as he returns back from injury too. So you know, it, it wasn't like the full. Uh, offensive firepower that they were expecting to have for that Clemson game, but also, like, did you see Alabama? I don't think anyone's going to say it's it's, I think it's tough when you hate Alabama that Bryce Young, the first thing you hear about the new quarterback, is like, well, he just broke Ken Stabler's record from like 150 <laughs> yeah. years ago. Like, that guy's now, you know, in his first start, it's like, well, that's interesting. Is that the worst part about hating Alabama? Like, you know, Mac Jones goes, and oh, by the way, this other guy, you know, who's only six foot comes in, he might be better than like anybody. Well, you know, I used to hate Alabama, but then after a certain point, I was just like, what's the point? Like, why am I spending all this negative energy on something that is just going to take my negative energy and use it to blow up the next planet? Like, it's just, it, 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 it's, it's monstrous, like, what they've built down there. And the fact that we're at a point where, you know, like, they, can, they had how many first-round picks last year? I, they, I know we, they had three guys drafted in the first 11 or 12 picks last year uh, with Waddle, Sertain, uh, Devonta Smith, then Mac Jones gets drafted. I mean, and they're just re- replacing these guys like they're not, you know, certified like NFL pros. Uh, I don't really understand what, how they do it because one thing that is interesting to me about Alabama is, you know, like they're not always pulling in the number one recruiting class uh, in the league, like or in college football. Sometimes it's Ohio State or Georgia or Clemson or. Uh, you know, one of those other schools that have kind of ceased to make the rest of college football uh, feel like it matters. Uh, <laughs> they're they're just getting these guys ready for game day and the pros better than everybody else. And it's just like, I, I, I don't know how much I can hate on that. Like, the preparation that they're doing is just unbelievable. And I think that, you know, maybe maybe instead of having, like, conference mergers, we need to have school mergers. So, like, Ohio State and Georgia, <laughs> they, can put their two be- they can put their best team on the field as a combination, and then maybe that team might be good enough to beat Alabama. Charles McDonald with us uh, at Four Verts on Twitter. Was I supposed to know that T.J. Watt was holding in? Uh, I didn't know either uh, until I saw my buddy Greg Rosenthal tweet, and I was like, huh? T.J. Watt hasn't practiced in a month, and he might not play this week? Why okay. has nobody been reporting on this? Because, uh, you know, like when Jamal Adams had his thing, uh, uh, their Seahawks reporters explaining, like, this is kind of how you get around the, the holdout rules because now they have the, with the new CBA, they have the rules where if uh, a player wants a new contract and they hold out, they get fined $50,000 per day, which obviously is just an astronomical number, even if you're a rich guy, like that's a lot of money. Stuff coming out your pocket per day, so 
know, that's why we saw Jamal Adams show up. Dwayne Brown showed up. Uh, Xavier Howard showed up, and, you know, they, they're getting their deals done. Uh, but for the fact that there is no real reporting about this, uh, kind of blows my mind, and I'm not sure if this is a thing where uh, – Pittsburgh media is kind of afraid to come after the Steelers because, you know, that, that does happen in some markets where the team is, like, really powerful and uh, has a long history of success. Sometimes reporters can be a little gun-shy when it comes to reporting things that they're doing wrong with uh, their players. But we don't even know if it's gotten that far because I don't know what T.J. Watt wants because I didn't even know that he was holding out or holding in until, uh, until yesterday. So it, I think it's kind of bizarre that, you know, you're talking about one of the top defenses in the league. Potentially, you know, TJ Watt was a defensive player of the year candidate last year, and potentially not having him uh, week one as his contract situation uh, goes over. That's a major, major story that has somehow completely, you know, Alex Schefter hasn't reported, Rapp hasn't reported on it. It's, it's kind of bizarre. Well, it's easier here. Team hasn't been in the playoffs 17 of 18 years, so to report the facts around here, we uh, tend to be able to do that. I did want to ask you about the team around here. We heard K.J. Wright coming in as you came on the show. Uh, they have The Raiders have added linebackers. They weren't very good last year, whether it's Perriman or K.J. Wright. They're trying to do something here to get better defensively. How much of a difference can he make at 32 years old, no matter how good he's been? You know, honestly, I think that this is a good signing. Uh, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm kind of surprised that it took KJ this long to find a spot. Maybe he's doing a veteran thing where, like, man, I'm not going to training camp. I don't need that. Right. So I'm just going to take my time and sign right before week one. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that this is a, a good move for the Raiders. And last year, KJ, to me, still showed that he was still one of the better linebackers in the league. It's like, you know, he's become one of those guys where maybe where physically you, you lose a step, mentally you gain another. So he's putting himself in the right position still. Uh, obviously, him and Bobby Wagner were a great linebacker duo for a long time, but he's got experience running this system. Uh, he's a guy that I think could play Mike or Will for you, and it's the kind of a, a big addition for the Raiders' defense. Uh, like how much it ends up mattering as a whole, like with the rest of the guys factored in, uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. But you know, just by itself, I, I don't really think that the age should be scaring you off with KJ Wright because. Uh, he's still like one of the sharpest linebackers in the league, and he's one of those guys where, you know, even if you lose a couple steps physically, you're still a couple steps ahead of everybody else. So, uh, I'm a, I'm a, a big fan of that signing, and I think that, you know, when you when you have a veteran leadership on a defense that has been very good, and someone who can help you get lined up and be in the right spot all the time, uh, that's going to be, you know, a, a big confidence boost for the rest of the Raiders defender. Did you anger Cincinnati Bengal fans on Twitter? Uh, yeah, I didn't know there were so many, honestly. <laughs> uh, you know, okay, the, the, you know, I, I, first, I got to say, dude, my, my buddy Joe Goodberry, I think he's a great Twitter follow, uh, great guy, but dude, what, what, 30 points per game and 10 wins. I just don't know when that became what we were thinking about the Bengals this year. Uh, and then <laughs> when I saw you know a bunch of people agreeing with him, I was just confused because you know Vegas has them as like a six-and-a-half point win total uh, this year, which to me, you know, seems about right. And I'd still be, you know, uh, be tempted to, to take the under on that just because uh, I just feel like we haven't really seen anything that would give you confidence that this team is going to be turning it around, at least this year. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow's coming back, but he threw one pass the entire preseason. Uh, 
and it was a screen pass to Jamar Chase, which he dropped, and it's not like we've heard that Joe Burrow has been tearing up camp. In fact, we've kind of heard the opposite. Uh, and it's, it's, their defense is not superstar talented or anything. They lost Joseph Osai for the season. Uh, the cornerback room is just, you know, all right. I guess, I guess if you're optimistic, you hope that Jamar Chase dropping 80% of his passes in the preseason was fake. Uh, Jesse Bates becomes like Earl Thomas-esque, and then the rest of the guys step up, and uh, you have a pretty solid squad. But until we see more, I just kind of think it's crazy that you could be high on a team like that. You know, uh, they're they're they were really bad last year for a reason. Uh, Zach Taylor, he hasn't really shown any life as NFL head coach. And by the way, like you still play in maybe the tough divi- toughest division in football where we just talked about the Steelers uh, and then Cleveland and Baltimore are trying to establish themselves as like legitimate Super Bowl threats to Kansas City. So that's a really, really tough division to play in. And I just kind of think that you might be overestimating your hopes a little bit if you think that this team is going to score 30 points a game, be an elite offense, and then also win 10 games on top of that when they haven't shown any life of that uh, in quite a long time. All right, give me a one-word answer on this. The fan base you least want to piss off on Twitter. Uh, Buffalo, no doubt. Oh, yep. Wow. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Wow. He is Charles <laughs> McDonald. No, because they don't have anything to do but get mad on Twitter. I mean, what are you going to do? You, gonna sit in a you just pissed them off. They're outside. No, what you're going to do is when someone says, you know, I think Josh Allen might be a little overrated. You're going to spam them, you're going to dox them, and you're going to make their life miserable. <laughs> He's Charles McDonald at Four Verts on Twitter. Read him at For the Win. Charles, thank you so much. Thanks, Charles. All right. Talk to you guys later. That was great because he said Buffalo, and in his next sentence, he pissed him off by saying they don't have anything to do. <laughs> All right. Coming up next, our Sharp is still winning. He's got a chance. He's got a chance to win a mystery jersey. But first, we have a four pack of tickets to go see UNLV at their next home game against Iowa State that Saturday, September 18th. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We got a four-pack of tickets to UNLV, Iowa State. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We'll take caller number nine at 702-364-1100. Do you want to schedule a parent-teacher conference after hearing Grainy's grades? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and let us know who deserves a higher grade. Rattler, quick throw out. Mario caught it. Has a tackler, has a blocker. <laughs> Hazelwood makes a man miss. Wow. Reaches for the pylon. Touchdown! Wow! Super Mario! It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Our Sharp is back. Josh is up to seven after Oklahoma won over the weekend, though that game was probably closer than Josh imagined. But that's okay. You are two away from winning a mystery jersey or hat that you will get to choose from. So where would you like to go today, Josh? A little tougher schedule today, but let's go back to tennis and go with Medvedev. All right. Back oh, on Medvedev. Medvedev. He helped you out, uh, what, a few days ago. Uh, so we got you yeah. with, with Medvedev again. He wins. You'll be going for a jersey tomorrow. So good luck, Josh. Hopefully we're talking to you again tomorrow. <laughs> 
Good luck, Josh. All right. Thank you. I think it's the quarters at the open. Good for that kid. We're taking tennis late, late in a tournament, too. Yeah. Where, yeah, it's a little dicey now. It's not ideal. Djokovic just dropped a set, but he advanced. So, okay. Um, All right. Here's a, here's a fun cryptocurrency story for you. Oh, God. El Salvador bought Bitcoin today. Like the country bought (laughs) it. The country bought it. The country bought it. And now it's officially, like, it's officially legal tender in El Salvador. Okay. But Bitcoin's price has now plummeted Oof. because of it. Not fans of El Salvador. Bitcoin is down, uh, looks like, 9%. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> that's not good. That's not a good investment. Wow. Would, wouldn't that have made it go up? Wouldn't you hear, hey, a country is now... I guess it depends on the country. Yeah. <laughs> is, is, but is that what we're saying? El Salvador is yeah, yeah. such yes, a crappy yes, country we, that we're yes, like, yes, we are. It's that bad of a country. It's not yes. even it's that bad of a country. It's that it's their inflation. It's like, ooh, they're going to wreck this market. That's not good, 9% over uh, immediately. Put it this way. If Germany goes all in on fake horses, yes. your fake horses are going to be like you're going to. You're going to be set for cash, life. Well, cash out. How do I get talking to the the German Germ- government. Let's go. Let's get, give send it, send it, Marco a call. Send an email. Let's, send an email to Marco. Let's make our fake horses the legal currency <laughs> of Germany. You want to so, buy some milk? So, All right. You got to buy a horse first. So, so, but the problem with the Germans is they're like, this is so inefficient. Why, why, yeah. do you, why would we use horses? <laughs> Poor wanna, El Salvador. They go all in on something that seems fairly progressive. And uh, it just all... Am I the only one confused as to, like, is this progressive or is this going to be one of those things where, like, eventually it turns out that the the El Salvador government, like, stole thousands of dollars in cryptocurrency? (laughs) Are you surprised at this? Steph Curry, I told you yesterday, just getting started in the crypto game. Y'all got any advice? Oh, you're late, Steph. You're late. (laughs) What? I don't think he went through the... 18,000 like replies on this guy's like uh when Steph Curry put something like that I was like you better have a lot of time on your hands. Do you think Steph Curry would buy a fake horse or fake chicken? Absolutely. All right, let's go Steph. One yeah. of the one of the best I mean, horses ever is named Steph Curry. You have to reply to this today with something about horses and chickens yeah. or like some kind of link, some kind of link that tells them what it is. I mean, one of, one of the best horses ever is named Steph Curry. What so. if there's like a huge game and he wants, you know, he wants his attention, coach wants attention, he goes, hold on, my horse is running. <laughs>